Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 43 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the good brother, TF Joker. Joker, what's crack, man? What's going on? Uh, absolutely nothing. Just, you know, recording here the day before Mother's Day in the UK. And there are two two different Mother's Days. Find out to my detriment, detriment a number of years ago. So for those of you who have uh, who have their ears listening in America, don't worry, you're safe. If you're listening to this in the UK. You done goof. Today's Mothering Day, Mothering Sunday, or you know the Sunday before you watch this. So well, um, hope your mom isn't angry with you. But yeah, so I, I I got I got sorted. So this Saturday. I am uh, nice, free, and clear, and conscience is at ease, like last year. Excellent. Remember to uh, acknowledge those holidays on the proper days, hopefully, fingers crossed, and to remember to get some flowers, get a little gift, give a phone call, give a text, do whatever you feel is appropriate, but make sure you can connect when you can connect. It's one of those confusing things, and I'll say this very quickly, that much like yourself, only a couple years ago did I realize that some holidays, for example, you mentioned Mother's Day, and I'll bring up Daylight Savings Time as well, for me in the States and for yourself in the UK, they happen on different days, and that is very confusing. Oh yeah, we've had this conversation so many times. Obviously, the US has just observed some states have observed daylight savings time uh but for us in the uk it's actually the 26th this month not the not the yesterday or whatever the day it was um so yeah it's it's a little bit confusing as to why countries want to mess with us but um yeah it's it's definitely something that uh, needs to stop in arizona i'm looking at you Picking and choosing which one you want to observe. You know, the rest of the world is out here just being confused and you're like, well, I'm just going to do what I want. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, yeah. I, I think a few years ago, I got completely confused as to which Mother's Day was the right Mother's Day. And by that, I mean, which one's in the UK. I was like, I was like it's Mother's Day this Sunday. I'm like, oh, it's a bit late. Have I missed Mother's Day? And I realized that I had I had observed the one in the UK earlier in the year, just not the uh <laughs> it was the American one that I was talking with my American friends who were like, it's Mother's Day. I'm like, no, it's not. They're like, you sure? It's like, yeah, it was March. Like, fine, these are these are golden. I think I might have got people in trouble, but you know. That's me. No, that's totally fair. It's something when I started streaming on Twitch and doing a bit more content creation, being a little bit more widely viewed of things going on sort of out in the world and, and noticing those differences when I'd talk to members of communities as well as folks in different countries, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that maybe different countries or different cultures may have observed the same named holiday on kind of different things so it's definitely made me a little bit more aware of kind of differences that's going on for different cultures as well as different countries so i gotta kind of keep myself on my toes 
Oh, I'm the same. Just in the uh, past few years, it's made me more aware of the annoyance that is daylight savings time that you brought up. It's uh, it's just unnecessary uh, BS, is the most polite way we can put it. Um, and yeah, it has has cost me an hour or two of sleep and has made me miss TV programs because I was like, I forgot to fix the clocks. Um, granted, I am now completely on the PC time, as in my personal computer, so I don't have to fix anything. So it's all good. Totally fair enough. Well, hopefully the folks that are listening and watching, you have yourself sorted and you can know what's going on and know when the holidays are so that you can take the appropriate action and give folks a call, connect, send flowers, give a little text, whatever have you, to make sure that you know what's going on where you are. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kfabecouncil and in audio form wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at AEW pushing young talent. Which pillar is the next to carry the company? If you're enjoying Kayfabe Council, please like the video, subscribe on YouTube, or follow us on Twitter or your favorite podcast platform. It helps us grow and be able to bring you more content in the future. So, coming up first. AEW pushing young talent. The nature of this discussion was sparked by what occurred on this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite. We had a little segment that folks took very much notice of, and like we mentioned, sparked our interest about perhaps what could be the next big young talent for AEW, as well as who could potentially be the number one guy further down the road for years to come with the company itself. So before we get into it proper, we had the show start off with a very interesting segment, which was known and hyped as the bar, rebar mitzvah, excuse me, the rebar mitzvah of MJF essentially kicked this thing off. So this started the show, actually, uh, AEW Dynamite. MJF comes out accompanied by four pretty ladies in cocktail dresses. I have to say, nice touch with the blue and white streamers when he got into the ring, honoring the flag of Israel. Wonderful, beautiful touch. MJF mocks the Canadian crowd for finding Bret Hart entertaining because Shawn Michaels is better. Gotta be heel, brother. And after he tapped Brian Danielson out to become the undisputed best professional wrestler in the world, he's no longer merely a man. He's an Iron Man. Hava Nagila plays, and a bunch of young men come out to the ring with a chair to lift Max up while performing the Hora, which is the circular folk dance we saw them doing. The real quick Joker... This was actually just a little fun kind of segment. I was aware that they were promoting MJF's Rebar Mitzvah, but honestly, this little sort of mini segment of the show, that's a little different, uh, you know, as prepared to the wrestling show that we were watching. But yeah, I thought it was kind of fun and just a just nice little way to kind of kick off the program, a little something different. Yeah, it was... 
very entertaining. It was very WWE in its execution. It was very much a opening show sort of uh, fun segment that we have at uh, the odd time, which happened an awful lot more with uh, VKM at the uh, at the helm. But you have here just the top guy, the top champ coming out uh, doing his rebar mitzvah, which uh, Skiavone, Tony, Tony Schiavone kind of mentioned. He, he, he looked it up, but I looked it up after he mentioned it as well. It's like, you actually only ever get a rebar mitzvah at the age of 83. And I was like, that's a really weird number. I was like, okay, but it's because the Jewish faith believes that a life is uh, led to the age of 70. And that is a full lifetime. So any individual who makes it to 83 has become a man again in a second lifetime because they've reached the age of 13 in their second lifetime. I was just like, that is really cool. And it was just something that he pointed out. And I was like, I have no idea what a rebar mitzvah is. I thought it was just some shtick. I'm not Jewish. I have no idea that it, uh, why it existed. And because of all of the, uh, all of the promotion was sort of uh, photoshopped with bad pictures of Max at his actual bar mitzvah, I honestly thought this segment was promoted by fans for no reason. I didn't think this was going to go ahead. I didn't know what was going on here. It was very weird to me this entire week for AEW planning. But Shivani gave us that little bit of information. I went and looked it up. I was like, okay, that's random. MJF's not 83. Why is he having a rebar miss? <laughs> so it was, it was super fun. Um, yes, he had the, he has the, the lovely ladies come out with him. Each gave him a kiss on the cheek. He made out with the last one. Made his way into the ring. They uh, danced around the chair. Picked him up in the chair. Um, honestly, typical things that I have seen um, in passing uh, for what is at a bar mitzvah. I've never been to one. I've, I have no Jewish friends to uh, equate this to. Um, so, I mean, a bit of fun. Like he came out and uh, he was uh, he was his his thing. His little name uh, said MJF. Jewish AF. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And this was definitely a WWE segment up to that point. Agreed. Uh, thank you for the little tidbit of reinforcing uh, Shivani's little tidbit there. You get to learn when listening and watching Kayfabe Council. We'll bring you the news, topics, and segments in the world of professional wrestling. Count Dolby drivel. There you go. Uh, but I was I noticed the nameplate there, and just a quick aside, the person who does the graphics or whoever's in charge of that, they've done. I noticed that too. They did uh, MJF's nameplate. They've been doing it with Hangman early on during his tag, and then leading into the his AEW run to the title. They had always had little things, man. That person, whoever's doing that, or that department's just killing it. So kudos. They do it for a few people. I've seen, I've seen, I can't remember who they are now, but I, I have noticed, like, are you, are you messing with that, with that graphic there? Is that you messing me with that? Um, but I've definitely seen them. And this one just popped me. I was like, okay, that's good. So fair play. We did have a little bit of a kind of sports entertainment-ish start to AW Dynamite with this particular segment. But that leads us into some folks crashing the Rebar Mitzvah. Enter Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. Then enter Sammy Guevara. And then finally enter Darby Allen. So I'll just do a little bit of a 
quick Cliff Notes version of the highlights of essentially what they said here. So MJF gets angry, saying, you guys are ruining my rebar mitzvah. What do you guys want? And wonderfully, all three men succinctly say they want a title match. So we know why we're here. We start off with Jungle Boy. We all have to sit back there and watch you take 20 minutes to do the same old hokey BS that you've been doing for the last four years. This whole place revolves around you, Max. And the first step in changing that is taking the title off of you. Okay. We know why we're here. Sammy. To MJF. You literally talked your way into the door here at AEW. I had to grind for 10 plus years on the independence just to get here. When I finally got here, I was told I was only supposed to be the inner circle's job guy. I was only supposed to be the bump guy for Jericho, but I overcame every obstacle. All right, fair play. Darby. My first day at pro wrestling school, I said, you're either going to make it as Darby Allen or you're going to fail as Darby Allen. You're not going to change a thing. I told Tony Khan there'll be a bidding war. There will never, excuse me, never be a bidding war for Darby Allen. AEW means a whole lot more than it ever meant to you, Max. You know I'm going to do. You know what I'm going to do if I if you don't give me a championship match, I'm going to beat your head in with a skateboard and take you down with a headlock. But, however, the most remembered quote from Darby's portion. His biggest problem with this company is grown-ass wrestlers whining on Twitter about being unhappy with their deals, including MJF, our world champion. And finally, MJF signs off with Jungle Boy has Christian, Sammy has Jericho, Darby has Sting. I don't have anyone because I didn't need to be enrolled in AEW Daddy Daycare. I've been ready since day one. We are the pillars. We are the past, present, future of pro wrestling but i'm the only pillar who can keep this place up hot dang so each guy coming out and sharing sharing their story or kind of letting it all breathe as some folks would say shoot from the hip brother but this was a very interesting change of pace for a promo for aew for an opening for aew this is really the first time that I can recall in recent memory or if ever we've had the bestowed pillars just in the ring together, just leading the segment and letting it breathe and having that time. But I thought this was a really just strong, you know, kind of lay of the land and opportunity for these guys to get in there with the world champion. And I thought it was just a really kind of interesting, different promo. What were your what were your thoughts? What were your impressions of this? I thought it was really good. Um, there are four guys in this ring, and only one of them is good on the mic. Like I don't think any of the other three uh, individuals in this ring can compare to MJF on the mic. I think that they are all products of their uh, sort of careers thus far in AEW. You have Jungle Boy who isn't very good on the microphone or wasn't rather um and has been getting better you know like we've talked about before you know in order to get better you got to do the reps he, he has done the reps he's gotten into um uh, he's gotten into some feuds um maybe just the one and it's just with christian but still 
uh, he has gotten into a feud where he's had to be on the mic, and it was good. I, I didn't think that, you know, what he said was blowing me away, but um, the hokey BS, I liked it. You know, it, it's, it, was, it was fun to see he wasn't out here with somebody holding his hand. Sammy Guevara. I liked it. I liked him, him cutting MJF off with the recircumcision joke. It wasn't really uh it wasn't really gonna land. Um, but you know, he still made the, the snip joke. And um then he's he he sort of made that sort of impassioned, I was just meant to be the bump guy, you know, I've I've, I've been a champion in my own right. He he's always with somebody else on the microphone. He's not very strong on the mic by himself. And I feel like he needs a particular person. Uh, who is better than him on the microphone to be in a segment with him so that he can actually flourish on the microphone. He can't be working with somebody who is not as good or equal to him. He needs somebody where he can feed off of them, in my opinion. That's how he kind of operates. Um, see his stuff with Danny Garcia. You know, Some of it's not great, but it, it is Danny is better on the mic than him, and it is definitely something to show there. Um, and Darby... His time at film school, he mentioned his time at film school. He's like, oh, you got to change that. We don't like the videos here. Uh, I'd rather just drop out than change anything, which has led to his whole, you know, I won't compromise anything about myself. I like the thought process behind what he does. But he, as well, has suffered from the AEW Daddy Daycare uh, sort of thing, um, where he is elevated by Sting. and. All of his promos for a long period of time before we had a match with Darby Allen were film noir, uh, sort of biopic style uh, documentary vignettes. You know, whatever, you know, delete is appropriate, whatever you, you, you feel like it, it, it fit. But it was definitely there for a time when I just kind of wanted to hear what he was saying. Not wanting to see what his, you know, see why he was getting transported around in a body bag this time. So it's one of those things that you look at and you went, I like it. I really, really like it. But the one thing that I took away from it was Darby because he had the huge pop with like all, all these adults complaining. They, they don't get the, I, I don't like my contract. Just, I'm not getting what I want. Let me out of my contract. Like, you know what I'm going to do if you don't give me a title shot? I'm going to go and complain on Twitter. <laughs> Everybody just laughed. It was, it was great. The, the, the sort of little in-jokes, the references, um, like MJF even made one about Sammy. It's like, you know, glad you could take your time out of your busy schedule starting backroom, uh, backroom brawls with people. Um, you know, everybody laughed at that one. Uh, so there's nice little references to... Uh, each individual person's sort of uh, actions in the past, and and uh, you know, it's 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 kind of funny to see. I I really enjoyed the beginning of this segment. I gotta say, fair play to these guys. This was a nice sink or swim moment. We've talked about it before, and I'll reiterate your point. In order to get better, you have to work with guys that are better than you, so that you can that sort of old proverbial iron sharpens iron. And we've seen with these guys, 
for example, Darby early on worked with Cody and you really got to see, even though I think it was a match where they maybe went to a draw and Cody got a lot of the shine. Darby looked really strong in defeat, for example, and they had that, that one piece with like a body bag and stuff like that. But you got to see, okay, there's something about this guy early on. Transpose all this time later, right? MJF, we all know the guy can be great on the stick, holds long segments and can go against other folks on with promos and on, on the mic, so totally good. But you're right. Jack, Darby, and Sammy really weren't known for being promo guys. In the past, they haven't had a ton of just maybe an interview with a, with a Tony Schiavone, whether that's a backstage or in the ring or, or stuff like that. Fair play. You know, like I mentioned, the verbiage of a sink or swim moment. These guys stepped up, kept it really simple, aired where they were coming from. You know, Sammy just bringing up, hey, you know, I've been grinding on the independent circuit and, you know, I was only supposed to be the bump or the job guy and, you know, I'm putting in work type of thing. So kudos. And Darby getting that little baby face pop with the whole Twitter reference. Hey, see a little personality, but we're seeing these guys grow. And the disparity, shall I say, of having MJF sort of stand on his own and maybe having a heater in a Wardlow, for example, as opposed to the other folks like we mentioned, Jungle Boy being mentored by a Christian, Darby being mentored by a Sting, Sammy being mentored of sorts by a Jericho. Always really good for having veterans help the young guys to make them better, for sure, but We've seen that flourish from those relationships now from when these guys started to kind of being young, lower card, maybe mid card guys to over now three and a half some odd years later, they've elevated their stock. And this was just a nice revisit of how far that each guy has come. Yeah, definitely. Um, like we we've seen an awful lot of the the sort of growth of these characters, um, but we really haven't heard from them. Uh, and I feel like I don't need to see Sammy Guevara take bumps. I don't need to see uh, Darby Allen jump off a ladder or cough and drop or do something stupid. And I don't need to see. Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Wrestle Christian ever again. So I feel like we've we've gotten enough of their sort of um their sort of flavor of how they are in in the wrestling ring, but we've never really heard too much from them specifically in a setting that isn't surrounded by their mentors. And yeah, like it's it's just homegrown guys for the for the most part here, homegrown guys getting their chance to stand up on their own two feet um, and challenge another homegrown guy. Yeah, this is really good. A lot of times we've seen in AEW, the veteran presence has kind of dominated uh, matches, segments, promos, championships, for example. So this was a really nice touch. And again, this is probably the first time in quite a while that I've seen a collective of young guys holding down a segment and being the focal point. It's really great to see that the guys that are looked at as homegrown talent or have 
been given their more most opportunities in AEW to be on top. With that, I just pulled a little bit of information for perspective, seeing how we've looking at homegrown talent kind of being on top or being pushed, as you will. So for the world championship, six guys have held the title, but we can say that MJF and arguably Hangman Adam Page are AEW guys. So we look at one or two out of three. So, okay, a third, let's just say. TNT Championship, nine guys have held the title, but five are what be considered AEW guys. Darby, Sammy, Scorpio Sky, Wardlow, and Powerhouse Hobbs. So about a half. Okay, that's a nice distribution. Fair. And then real quick, the Tag Team Championship, nine teams have held the titles. Jurassic Express, Acclaimed, and The Guns can be considered AEW guys, so about a third. So, I don't cut the guns. Leave the guns out of this. I'm just saying, folks that have come to prominence under the AEW umbrella. Prominence? No. With the championships, if you look at, for those established titles, roughly a third of the time, younger guys have been the focal point or been champions, so obviously you need a nice mix of veteran presence, and strong personalities, of course, to carry a company or hold titles, understandable, but with the established AEW titles, it's been mostly, like I said, held by older talents, but have proven themselves in other countries or uh, companies around the world. But I made a note at the time of recording, all of the titles, and I'm holding off of the trios because of the House of Black, for Aleister Black and Buddy Matthews and Brody King. But besides that, all of those titles are held by what folks consider AEW stars. And it's a really nice passing of the torch moment. The company's putting faith, putting that stock in the young talent. And that's a really strong and excellent thing to see. Potentially, some folks can look at it as a risk. But really, four years in for the company, and they have strong candidates for what they feel like can hold down their titles and be a focal point you always got to look to the future and build new stars and it's looking like we've kind of coming into a sort of next wave for aew better late than never honestly it's just it's better late than never we have spent the last three years uh three and a half um of the four years uh just getting guys from WWE and NJPW to hold the titles because they're established names and I'm not criticizing this. It is a smart business decision to put your titles on established guys. 100%. You need to do it. There's a reason the first guy to hold the title, the big belt, was Chris Jericho. He is a mainstay from WWE. It was a coup to get him and it was a boon for the company whenever he left it in a steakhouse because it was hilarious. So whenever you have the first three or four of your champions be from WWE and headliners from New Japan, then, you know, you've done a couple of good uh, years on your title. Like it, it is, we have developed this and the, the dark period for the TNT, which is the Sammy Guevara period, which I don't like. And I didn't, I, you know, we've talked about that before. We talked about it last week on our episode about the, the TNT championship. Um, like he's still a recognized champion. I may not like the run. Some people may have liked the run. Maybe his mom and dad did. I don't know, but they might be the only 
pairing in the entirety of this uh, this grand world that we live in that may have liked that. But he's still established. Jungle Boy has had one of the more shocking, I'm going to put that in air quotes, more shocking stories out of the last while because his best friend, Luchasaurus, uh, was turned uh, by Christian to be a bad guy. Turned on him, it was shocking. There was the whole thing in front of uh, the mum and the sister a couple of times. You know, the the the, the mentions of of Christian uh, wanting to uh, keep keep his mom uh, warm at night, etc., etc., etc. So, like, he had uh, he had one of the more shocking sort of interactions. He came through that eventually. Finally, that's over, and he's he's better for it. He's had a couple of interactions with other people, but for the most part, he hasn't had too much. Then you got Darby, who has just been shined up real nice by his dad Sting, and uh, his granddad, uh, the Great Muda. So you've got like him getting the super shine, if you will, and he's had some matches that you know uh, I really don't care for. Uh, but he is a spot machine, and he's not my wrestler. I don't care for Darby Allen, not because of anything um, other than he's just not my my cup of tea. Uh, but he's he's good. He's over. He's popular. So you have these guys at a crossroads. There's no point in putting Sami back in the TNT division. We're starting to build that up with other people. Like when the mid card needs to be built up again, unless you want to keep Sami as a jobber. Well, there's no real stories for for Jungle Boy. What do we do with him? We bet do we put him there in the T in the TNT title? Uh, maybe maybe not. Maybe he's a wee bit maybe international because it's a better belt. What about Darby? Oh, he's held the TNT title as well. Don't really want to give him the international because he's doing really good things. It's a really good time after a guy from another company, a la Brian Danielson has been defeated by the homegrown champ MJF to bring in a homegrown feud. This is a super good time that these three individuals have to get this spotlight and portray it as, well, we don't need these other guys. We're all young. We're all in our teens because that's how good they all look. And then it's like, you know, we're straight out of high school, you know, whatever, whatever age you are, straight out of high school, like 18, 19. Um, but clearly I know they're older, but still like, you know, they're all little kids. They're all cherubs in the, in the prime of their career. And they're going to have amazing matches. And I can't wait to see the hokey BS that MJF puts them through to get that match. Yeah. It's quite interesting that their maturation from the start of AEW to where we're at now, which this segment helped kind of bring them, reintroduce them back into the forefront with them standing all together, is that it's always been touted. There's been pillars of young folks and the young guys that they want to build and that they will eventually be the face of the company and build and be the top guys. So this was a nice kind of reintroduction or refresh with that. But I have to say, With them being all together, it brought up a question in my mind of, with them all challenging MJF for asking for a title shot, which of the pillars is the best choice right now? If we had to take a guess or we had to think through, 
that could be a next challenger for MJF. Who do you think of the candidates in there, of Jack, of Darby, of Sammy, could maybe have the next feud with MJF? Who do you think? Well, who do I think out of the three is going to be the actual challenger? Yeah. Dude, this has changed from yesterday. Okay. I don't remember who I said yesterday. But I think personally, oh, this is what I was I was getting at. The types of matches that um that we should have are the specialty matches for MJF. Because we criticize uh MJF for not being a wrestler's wrestler, not being a wrestling guy. He's he's just a, a mouthpiece. But he did an Iron Man match. He is Iron Man and he beat the best wrestler in the world, as some people want to call him, Brian Danielson. So out of the three guys in the ring that currently have a style that is synonymous with them and them alone, currently in AEW. Darby Allen is the clear choice to have a one-on-one match with MJF. And it should be a hardcore match, a la the, uh, the sort of matches he's had with Brody King um, and all sorts of other matches. There should be tacks. There should be skateboard with tacks. He should wear a jacket with tacks. He should jump off the high place. And MJF should beat him into unconscious submission because none of these three individuals are beating MJF but Darby Allen has the best chance at giving and receiving big shine and big props from the end of this match compared to say a Jungle Boy or a Sammy Guevara now there are multiple different ways that we could get to this this could be, you know, the hokey BS, and we could end up with a, a sort of pillar gauntlet kind of thing. I'm not going to try and give TK any any uh, free stuff here, but because uh, we all know that he listens and he takes all my ideas anyway. So you know, he could end up putting it after they've made it through the uh, the gauntlet of whatever MJF wants him to do. He would have to fight um, Jungle Boy first. Then he would have to fight Sammy Guevara. Then he would have to fight. Uh, then he would have to fight the uh, the incomparable Darby Allen. And I think honestly, if you want to build MJF into a demon king of AEW, that's exactly what you do. You feed the pillars to him because he is the only one sturdy enough to keep AEW afloat. And it's not a pillar that should beat him. It is an outsider. And not one of the three women who have co-opted the name Outsiders. But it should just be somebody else that we'll get into maybe at a later date. We don't need to talk about it. As a fair point, for the three gentlemen in there, Darby, Jack, and Sammy, I think of where these guys are have on their journey and where they're positioned now. I'm going to agree that Darby feels like the most intriguing matchup. I don't want to say deserving because any of these guys have put in work. They've all had different paths and things, but I feel like 
of MJF's reign so far and kind of how he's carried himself as champion. A challenger like Darby, his little different style of just high octane, just anything goes, I'm going to hurt myself to hurt you type of thing. His presentation in terms of like build or promos or, or vignettes or the promos that they can have and stuff like that and kind of the perception felt like Darby is is ahead at the moment at least in my eyes and in some fans eyes of Jack and Sammy at this moment in time of how the company has perceived and has positioned him so with those three guys simultaneously asking I'm in agreement that Darby's probably if they want to go that route the person to kind of challenge him next to come out of this promo so yeah i feel like an interesting matchup but you clicked on the notion of a build to a match with one of these guys and you kind of touched on maybe like a gauntlet thing or stuff like that that's my concern if i may deviate slightly so real quick Tiny rapid fire. We have a little bit of an MJF formula. So real quick rapid fire. Cody Rhodes wants to fight MJF. Three stipulations. Can't touch MJF. Take 10 lashes. Face Wardlow in a steel cage. Cody won that match. MJF beats Cody at Revolution 2020. Okay. Wardlow wants to fight MJF. Stipulations. 10 lashes. Face mercenaries Butcher, Lance Archer, Big Bill Morrissey, and then Sean Spears in a cage. With MJF as special referee, Wardlow ends up beating MJF at Double or Nothing 2022. And finally, Brian Danielson wants to fight MJF. Brian makes a stipulation for an Iron Man match. If he can defeat every MJF opponent MJF puts in front of him, which is Kanosuke, Takeshita, Bandito, Brian Cage, Timothy Thatcher, and Roosh, but Brian loses to MJF at Revolution 2023. My concern is. I'd like that MJF is obviously like a heel. You want to have him be cocky, be a chicken-ish heel, take some underhanded tactics, but I would like to see a little bit something different. We've had, for example, like the lashes thing. We've had we've done that a couple times. The sort of you have to face my mercenary kind of gauntlet type of thing. We've seen, you know, we've seen that. I'm not mad at it. I just want to see maybe a little something different, freshen up the the formula, freshen up something. Obviously, with MJF making a decree, I'm not going to defend all the time, you have to jump through hoops type of thing to earn. Give me a little twist on the formula, change it up a little bit, so that it maybe doesn't feel like, didn't we do this before? Yeah, so I have a twist. All three men fight each other. It's literally going to be the twist. If it's not the twist, and we do go back to this sort of, uh, here are my mercenaries and you know blah blah blah, then eh, it's going to be kind of boring. I would like to see Jungle Boy versus Darby, and Jungle Boy versus uh, Sammy. Right? You got to win both matches to be at the top. Okay, so it's like, you know, you have a first, second, and third. So if you win both of your matches against the other two guys, then you are the number one contender. If you lose, you're out of contention. And if you're, you know, if you're second, maybe you can claw it back somehow. 
you know, maybe in like a, a special sort of uh, last ditch kind of match. But I'm not opposed to equally having a triple threat match between these guys and then one of the guys winning that match and whoever whoever gets the first pinfall is you know is through and then whoever gets the second pinfall then has a one-on-one against the other guy and then whoever wins that match gets the fight max these have to be convoluted because max is a convoluted guy he likes complicated things so i'm trying to think of the most insane stupid stuff all right so you can have Darby take on Jungle Boy, right? And you can have Darby beat Jungle Boy. And you can have Darby uh, take on Sammy. Sammy beats Darby. Then you can have Sammy take on Jungle Boy. Wait, did I say don't? No, whatever. Jungle Boy beats Sammy. And then you've got everybody on a tie. And you're like, hmm, we've each won one, lost one. What do? Triple threat match. Do exactly what we said on the tin. You know, first guy goes through on the first pin, second guy goes through on the second pin, last guy is eliminated. Fish bash boss, you have another week's build for another promo, and then you have two weeks before you get to what is the next one? All what's what's the next uh, pay per view? Double or nothing. Double or nothing. Like that's you know you you spread that out. There's like a couple of weeks matches, PT. That's convoluted as heck, and it's it's new. It's something we haven't seen. So, um, I want. I'm actually more excited for this build than I am the potential outcome, well, not outcome, uh, potential final match versus MJF because the build to the MJF versus Brian Danielson match was pretty okay. And we got a nice little run between Kanosuke and MJF in there. So I'm okay with it, honestly. Uh, I just kind of need to see uh, some shenanigans. I'm in agreement that there should be. Obviously, I think the next pay-per-view, for example, is in May. So, yeah, you've got well over a month. If they if they even wanted to pull the trigger on an MJF versus A-pillar type of match, not to say that it's going to happen, but this particular segment sparked a lot of folks' interest in it, perhaps. But I'm in agreement. Like I mentioned, the MJF being a heel, he wants to make it complicated. We've seen that of the examples I ran through. But you brought this notion of almost like a round-robin, kind of G1-esque type of thing between the three lads, which is a very interesting piece, but also the notion of a just a triple threat. You have two faces in Darby and Jack, and then you also have, just to be fair, let's call him a heel in Sammy Guevara. So not to say that they're all like best friends and this thing would tear them apart or anything like that, but... How will they like coexist? Oh, yeah. But I just feel like if if it eventually landed on some kind of just hard fought three way match between these guys and high energy, you have kind of two two more daredevils in a Darby and a Sammy and a little bit different style but high impact in Jungle Boy. If that eventually just happens to come to fruition, I feel like it'll just be a fun match to watch. I know, like yourself, you're not a big fan of just huge spot fests, but I feel like in an isolation, it'll just be like a fun match. Very excited folks will just look forward to it because I don't think we've had a match with all three of these guys competing one-on-one-on-one with each other, so that'll be something different. But 
I feel like it'll be fun. Nice little different twist. We don't have to go back to the well specifically, but yeah, I'd be down to see a Darby, to see a Jack, to see a Sammy potentially face MJF. It'll help raise their stock. It'll revisit this thing of I'm the top pillar. I can carry this company on my back. You guys aren't ready. Said said pillar prove themselves to thing and It'll give them a bit of a rub ski as well. So I feel like if AEW decides to go this route of a pillar versus MJF, it can be a really positive thing for the company, for the for the younger folks that are on darker and elevation or newer to the company to see, hey, we have a future. They're pushing young guys, they're pushing young talent. I feel like it'll be a net positive for this. Can't agree more. Honestly, it just looks like this is the right time to do this style of build. Whatever we get out of it can only be positive for the four guys involved. But like I said, I'm just really looking forward to the uh, convoluted build. Uh, more so because none of them is going to win. MJF is champion until the end of the year. Like, he is holding it until Revolution maybe next year. Um, he's holding it till full gear at least. If he doesn't, what are we doing with this belt? I feel like giving him a full year with the belt, creating a monster um, that looks like he cannot lose. Yeah, I, f I feel like that's what we need to do, and this actually will help us build towards that unstoppable monster of um mjf just completely dominating and him saying well i'm the only pillar that can keep this place up being completely true to that point i feel like a strong run a little bit longer run for mjf with the title coming off most most recently the hot shouting of the title with moxley and punk and all that shenanigans that happened sort of in the fall and the summer will help with all the perception of the belt and kind of bring it back to where it needs to be. 100%. Let me pivot here. Let me ask you this. Because of this segment, we're talking about Darby, Jack Perry, and Sammy. And they're asking for title shots and they're in the ring with the champ. Do you feel like a Darby Allen, a Jack Perry, a Sammy Guevara not to say that it's going to maybe happen like this year, for example, but do you feel like these guys have the potential to be world champions in their career? What are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, 100%. I think each and every one of them has the makings of a world champ. Um, I feel like one is more polished than the other two. but. I, f I honestly feel like, yeah, all, all, all three of these guys who are challenging right now are uh, future champion material, yeah, 100%. Interesting. I, I don't think all three will eventually be world champions. I feel like if I'm going one by one, Darby, he has a, diff he has a different feel, a different vibe. I'm going off the presentation and the perception so far from what we've seen. So Darby... Got a little bit of a push, two-time TNT champ. 
has been in matches with with MJF, for example, which is a really, really good banger, honestly. Like it happened a bit ago, but it was a strong showing for him. I feel like with his presentation, it'll happen sometime down the line. Yeah, he can have he can have a world championship match and then win it and have a reign where I feel like it makes sense to me, like this guy can. Jack Perry. He's still got a ways to go. I think like we talked about being partnered with Christian, helping him with some promo stuff. Got the kid can go in the ring. Obviously, we can always make improvements or just kind of sand off or or polish those rough edges in terms of ring work or mic work. I feel like we'll eventually maybe drop the Jungle Boy moniker and when he becomes Jack Perry and feels comfortable in his skin and can carry a promo and, you know, just refine his work a little bit more. I feel like, yeah, he can be a world champion and have a reign and be the guy, be in carry segments and, and do the thing and essentially help elevate other talent as well. Sammy, I'm on the fence of. The way he's been presented, and this has this has to do with Sammy Guevara, the character, not Sammy Guevara, the person. I don't know Sammy personally or anything like that. Just going off of how he's been presented on TV and his maturation and where he's at right now. The Sammy Guevara I see right now being a Jericho underling, being a second kind of guy to him, being under him. Even though he's a three-time TNT champion, maybe he didn't have the greatest, most popular run. Maybe his opponents weren't there. It didn't maybe lift him up to where I felt like maybe he needed to be where he can kind of carry and, and be a strong presence. For whatever reason, I just didn't maybe get that vibe. Not to say that it's his fault per se. It's really how he was presented and maybe the booking from Tony Khan. but. Where he's at now, the way he's presented, I don't feel like Sammy will now, if he changes things, if the booking of Sammy, let me say that, if the booking of Sammy changes up and he's presented as a, a big deal and folks buy into that, down the line, perhaps, but way he is presented now, I don't, I just don't see the Sammy right now character being a world champion. All right, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of points, BT, about why I think all three are future champions, but in specific situations. The one thing that AEW has done a good and bad job of is transferring ownership of the title. We have seen some guys have a really, really, really strong title run. Kenny Omega, the belt collector. Everybody loved him. Everybody hated him. And then we've seen people have a really, really weak run because of these strong individuals. Hangman Adam Page. The weakest run so far, in my opinion, has been Hangman Adam Page. Not because he's a bad wrestler or a bad person, uh, character rather, but because of his time holding the belt. He beat Kenny. He overcame Mount Everest. There was no other challenge. Nobody had been built up to the level. He ended up floundering, lost the belt to Mox. Fair enough. 
we have individuals here that can fit certain situations. Darby Allen is a perennial babyface until he turns on his dad Sting and permanently puts him in the retirement home. We have a situation where Darby Allen is an underdog. He has to, therefore, beat a massive egotistical bad guy. He can't beat anyone else. He can't have a good feud with anybody. He has to have a long, sustained feud with a bad guy, eventually beat the bad guy, and then have a, it's really bad to say this, transitional run into the next good guy. All right? Jack Perry is that next good guy. He also fights from underneath in terms of being an underdog. But he's not as huge and unbeatable or unbreakable as Darby. He is the next good guy because he can run with the belt. We talked last week about the belt making the man until a certain point. After that, the man has to make the belt. If Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, dropping the Jungle Boy, can get the belt, the belt will make him. From there, he will have a solid run to then make the belt. Now, Sammy Guevara, I agree, has some sort of limitations to his stock right now. But I have a personal vendetta against the character. I didn't like any of his TNT runs. They all suck. I'm not the only one. Like I said earlier on, maybe his mom and dad were the only two that liked him. But whatever. He is a bad guy. He is a character that needs to be the betrayer or somebody who's going to just cheat to win. He is another Max. He's not quite as charismatic. But he's a really, really good slime ball hail. And he is one of these guys that you can have be beaten by a Darby Allen or you could have him get beaten by a Jungle Boy Jack Perry. But he has to hold the belt. He has to tarnish the belt for one of those two baby faces to come and make that belt great again. He is the Jericho. He is the MJF. He is probably going to have a longer reign than Punk after 24 hours. So it's one of those things you look at it and I see that there is charisma, there is uh, there is this sort of element to Sammy Guevara who I would agree maybe leaves us our taste in people's mouths. That's what heel guys are meant to do. And if you don't like that reasoning, I even see Sammy Guevara dropping the belt or taking the belt from Danny, good old Danny Garcia, because that's another guy who might not be considered a pillar, but is on the up and up and will be a champion one day. And because of his tight-knit relations with JAS, those two will cross paths 
Sami will either drop or take the belt from Danny, have the belt taken by a babyface, whatever it is. I don't see him being a perennial champ like MJF, but he is one of those guys that can fit the bill of being a slimeball heel champ. And that is really the way I see each and every one of those currently playing out to fit a bill of how TK seems to be making his champion. There's not too much in the way of character development. It's, are you good? Are you bad? Let's see how this plays out. We're going to have a couple of wee steps, and then we'll take the plunge with you if we feel it's good enough. That's really, there's, there's no other real science behind it, I think. But all three of these guys have roots to being a champion. Some quicker than others, I agree. But I definitely see Darby, Jack, and Sammy being world champion someday. Two takeaways from your reasoning here. One, the way Sammy is being positioned as a heel, I think is fair that some, it's not maybe a lot of folks' cup of tea. Obviously, it's different from a MJF type of heel He's a bit more charismatic. He feels more comfortable with kind of being in that sort of situation. So maybe it's the presentation of his heel and his sort of association maybe is leaving folks a bit more to be desired, perhaps. So maybe a little bit change in the presentation. All right, maybe can change mine and other folks' perception of, of Sammy being a bad guy. And then the other piece that you talked about, not having, not being the sort of underling, making that change, right? Coming out of that shell, coming sort of out of that shadow. Not to say it's a cataclysmic shift, but if he can have that moment where he's just, maybe it's a betraying Jericho or maybe it's a winning a match or, or kind of, Maybe it's a, a soft change to being not as heelish, whatever it may be. But if he has that moment of change where folks are like, oh, okay, that's, that's Sammy's moment. I'm turning around on this guy. I feel like whatever that ends up being will then also help change that perception maybe for myself. So change in the presentation, give him a little something to sink his teeth into that he can then run with the ball and shine. I feel will help, you know, that again, it's, it's nothing on from, for my thoughts, nothing against Sammy, the person, just the way the character has been presented. He's got a lot more work to go down that road to maybe get there. I'm definitely one of his biggest detractors. I hated absolutely everything he did uh, with the TNT title. And that was him taking the ball on his own after the inner circle imploded. Um, but it, it's still ignoring the fact that that was a field run. I don't think anyone is allowed to sleep on uh, on Sami Guevara because he has shown his willingness to do what it takes in multiple matches, his ability in multiple matches. There have been plenty of successful champions who are not good mouthpieces. And all you need to do is just look at the the whole host of terrible mouthpiece champions that have come before him. Like, honestly, Darby wasn't great on on the mic at the start. He barely talked. Uh, Hangman 
still is hit or miss for me. You know, we have uh, we have CM Punk, who is you know the master of the pipe bomb. I think everybody forgets what a pipe bomb is, and just kind of went, "Wow, that was really really cool." These are all delusional. He was trash. Um, then you have people in WWE who are just like <sighs> really really bad on the microphone. Not you know comparing body types, but Brock Lesnar was terrible for the longest time on a microphone. I love Cowboy Brock. Maybe we could give Cowboy Sammy Guevara a go. But Cowboy Brock Lesnar is amazing. Everything else Brock Lesnar was terrible. And that was his microphone skills. We have Undertaker. He was pretty crap on the mic for a long time. We had a whole host of other people who were just crap on the mic. So all you have to do is give him a mouthpiece. Make sure he's not the one cutting super long promos. Hide the hide the bad, show off the good stuff. That's all we do with Sami Guevara. Because if you don't see Sami Guevara as a champion, you don't see the other two as a champion either. Because they're very similar in what they've got. Fair point. I'll wind down the segment by just saying that regardless, I want these guys to succeed makes for excellent notions for the young guys to and taking nothing away sammy darby jack you can see from where they were to where they're at now they're willing to put the work in they're willing to put it all out on the line i want to see these guys be successful i would like to see them be champion for themselves for the company or the folks that are going to come after them so regardless um i'm down and i want these guys to succeed 100% the same. And like I said, can't wait for this convoluted build. There you go. So those were our thoughts on AEW pushing young talent and perhaps which is the next pillar to be able to carry the company into the near future and beyond. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram and let us know what your thoughts are on who's the next top guy to lead the company. All right, coming up to quick hits. For the newer listeners and watchers, quick hits are little segments that happen throughout the week that we wanted to share and we really enjoy that we may not have gotten an opportunity to talk about in a full-fledged topic, but we wanted to share with you those Hop the Boy segments. Joker, I hear. Once again, it's story time with Joker. It is. And it's story time with Joker concerning friendship. This past Friday night on SmackDown, Cody Rhodes incites friendship. Or does he? Mmm. It's all very mysterious. Begin with Cody, because no good story about the bloodline these days is started any other way. And he calls out both KO and Sammy to the ring. Get their, uh, get their butts to the ring as quickly as possible. And we have some heated promos from Sammy and Cody about what they want. You know, KO's asking, is this what you want? You know, you want this? It's like, you know. Cody goes on about how they're in the service industry. And their service is the fact that they have to provide entertainment for the fine fans in Intercity here. He will always do this, so I'm just saying Intercity here. And Sammy says that, you know, 
He knows he can't be KO's friend, but he knows neither of them can fight the bloodline alone. It is a very, very back and forth heated between the three guys. It's great. But KO hits the stunner on everybody by saying, how can I trust someone who doesn't even want to be my friend? Like, what? Excuse me, what? KO is the only guy who pays attention to the show. He's the only guy who remembers things segments back with Seth Rollins where he's like, why did we ever fight last year? You tried to take my moment from me and wrestling. Oh, it doesn't sound like me. No, that was definitely you. You know, that's one of my favorites of recent memory, but there's others. So, KO ends up leaving the ring. You know, everybody was really, really sad that this didn't happen. But, we cut to a backstage segment. Sammy is chased down KO. KO is just about to get into his conveniently placed car and tells him no uncertain terms that might not be friends, but you're my brother and I love you. KO just drives off into the sunset, but not before uh, all eagle eyed viewers, you know, made aware that he did put on his seatbelt and put on his turn signal. The man on the, uh, on the Twitter sphere is saying he's trying to set a good example. I see you, KO. Anyway, we skip to the segment after our main event match. And Jay is in the ring. Sammy comes out to have a little tete-a-tete with him. And Jay starts laying into Sammy. Just recounting how the story that we've heard before that he didn't like him. As a boy, he always thought it was his job to protect his family. The one time he let his guard down to someone who he thought loved him. And what did Sammy do? I, I love this. Because everything he said here is echoing his relationship with Roman. Because he let his guard down with Roman, and Roman took over the family. Like, he took everything from Jay. And Sammy cuts in and saying, it's Jay's choice to take the abuse. I was a little bit on the fence about where he was going with this. It's like, it's very, it's very victim-blamey. And I was just like, oh, okay, where, where are you going with this? He says, you keep choosing it, and that Jay's really mad at himself. He's not mad at Sammy. He's mad at himself because he didn't get to hit Roman with the chair. I'm pretty sure a few weeks ago, whenever we were talking about the, the aftermath of Royal Rumble, I said that. I said all this stuff that's going on. And yet, where's my award? Come on. This stuff is... is I'm just too, too far ahead of my time, PT. Anyway. Jay has clearly heard enough and attacks Sammy. That's cue for Jimmy to come to the ring and start ganging up, you know, just beating up, beating up uh, Sammy for, for however long they need to. And then KO's music hits and who pops up but LA Knight. Yeah. I, I mean, wrong segment again. KO, KO, it's him, that segment. He comes back in, stands behind Jimmy and Jay, and it's a two on two. He gets even. Jimmy and Jay are routed. And KO gives Sammy the loudest, pride poppingest hug you ever did hear. To a chance of hug it out, hug it out. And then all you hear is just deafening white noise. We cut to the back. Cody Rhodes is standing there with a big grin, watching the TV like a proud papa. Cut back to the ring. 
And that's just a WrestleMania sign point moment right there if I ever did see one. Fade to black. It's just so good. I really enjoyed the segment, dude. It was so fun. And uh, yeah, if uh, if you didn't enjoy it, you don't like fun. So that's more on you, honestly. How dare they? How dare Sammy? How dare Kevin? How dare Jay? Bring so much drama, intrigue, emotion, and storytelling into a wrestling program. How dare they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, we've talked about these guys just the roller coaster of emotion and story that, fair to say, on a wrestling program, have we ever gotten? Have we gotten in a long time? This is very sort of a standalone, different thing than what we're used to with this long-term storytelling and the sort of investment in the characters in relation to one another. And this is just another example of the players on the team and in, the, in this play and then the segment and the story just killing it and just doing a phenomenal job. And the reactions they're getting. I've re- again, I've mentioned it before, the reactions to moments in this overall story I really haven't heard pops like these that I can recall or, or in quite a while. So they're doing something right. Folks are invested. Folks are looking forward to it. The build to these moments and the reactions, they're doing something right. So kudos to everyone involved. Another just fantastic emotional segment. The, the Sammy saying, we're you know, we're not friends, we're brothers, I love you. Just, ooh, man, right in the feels. And then mm. the the KO just coming to the save and then the hug. Again, you heard the pop and they're just they're killing it. I almost found it funny. It was, I, I actually kind of laughed to myself and I chuckled. When they did the cutaway to Cody, looking at them just after they hugged, at, this is Sammy and KO rather, just after they hugged and he's kind of there backstage looking at the TV and looks at it, smiles, kind of looks away and glances back at it again. I know it's meant to harken back to this, to the opening segment of him trying to sort of reunite to them. Totally understand. But why is it in my brain of brain that I feel like this is this sort of evil puppet master? Like I made this happen. I'm manipulating. I'm pulling the strings from behind like this sort of evil character kind of thing. And, I, and it's not meant to be based on the story, yeah. but I was like, why did I get this? Like even for a second vibe from Cody because of that look. You see, for me, I hearken back to how you and I finish off a call. I was like, all right, that'll do. And in my head, all he was saying, that'll do boys. That'll do like, all right, babe, freaking pig, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever the name of the movie is. I honestly was like, That'll do. Because he had that satisfied smile on his face. It's like, yeah, he would be saying that'll do right about now. 100%. (laughs) But I did see a Twitter user, uh, Stephanie Hypes, at Stephanie Hypes on Twitter, had said, Dear at the Emmys, his name is Joshua Fatu, a.k.a. Jey Uso. Please go ahead, not his name for next year's awards. Thank you. That man is putting in so much work for these segments. It's not just KO. It's not just Sam. It's all Cody. But it's a little bit good stuff from Jay too. 
So, I mean, you know, he, he deserves his flowers. He's not getting any from Roman. The Emmys may as well take on this man because, like, you know, he's he's killing it. He's doing, like, the the sort of sort of comments he was making were true. I just thought it was really, really good mirroring between uh, between him and Roman, Sammy and Roman. Uh, so if, if somebody's writing this, if somebody is prompting this, if this is all from Jay, whatever it is, just Jay's killing it. Once again, give kudos to Jay, just putting in so much work and just being quite the character. And obviously the guy can go in the ring, but showing another side and he's been doing phenomenal work for like past eight, nine months and just doing type of thing. Not to say that the Emmys or a, an award show would ever look at wrestling or any kind of sports in general, but they'll probably pass that over. But it doesn't underlie the fact that he's bringing a whole nother side of himself, of a character, of, of an emotion, of bringing a story to life and, and making you feel what this character of Jey Uso is going through. So again, in the set it better and guys just killing it. So. Oh, I don't disagree. I think it's just obviously more for comedic effect to be like, oh, you know, this guy is a lot better than some of the people who were nominated and, and won Emmys, in my personal opinion. So that is more to the effect as to why that was said. I completely agree with the sentiment. I think you know if if they want to BS if you want if you want to BS the uh, the people who win the Emmys anyway, let's just add in our own people who we think should win because you know Jay deserves it and um, yeah, and I think uh, he has done an outstanding job. We'll go with justice for Jay. Maybe not getting an Emmy, but maybe an SB or something of there. Let's give this guy some recognition of some sort. So thank you so much, Joker, for sharing that. Always a pleasure when you can uh, you can help narrate these wonderful little bits that we have here. I'm always a fan of when you're sort of eloquently telling these stories about the the segments here. <laughs> I appreciate it. Of course, my brother. That was our quick hit from this week. If you enjoyed something and you have a quick hit from this week, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, or Instagram, and let us know if you enjoyed something. From this week in the world of professional wrestling. All right, that about wraps it up. Joker, interesting conversation. We agreed, we did some disagreements, but I felt like we were able to hear each other out and kind of understand. And perhaps there is some future for these pillars in AEW. Yeah, I really, I, I, whenever we we started talking about it, I wanted to sort of think about what was the whole point of getting these guys in the ring and it's it is a way of the future but we're going to have to build upon their bodies in order to get to that future and one day they will crawl out from the rubble of their ruined pillar status and they will overcome that solid gold pillar that is MJF the champion of AEW. And he will be toppled one day, but it's not by any of these three men. Fair point. A wonderful just bring them to prominence, get him in the ring with a strong character and an MJF. 
not quite a sink or swim because none of these guys necessarily sank, but like it was just a great just showing for these guys and was a sort of refresh or reintroducing, however you want to do that, but it definitely planted seeds in the minds of a lot of folks, like, oh, okay. They definitely did this segment for a reason. Where they go with that exactly remains to be seen, but I felt like we just had a fun segment regardless. Hopefully it goes in positive directions for everyone involved. But yeah, I agree. Just, I feel like pushing the young guys is going to be really good for the company long term. Yeah, let's not fumble this. I'm in agreement. Please, let's let's run with the ball and and make something of this. All right, so for TF Joker, I'm better than you, and you know it. You know it. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.